Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I'm your host, Shane Bacon. This week's episode with Alan Shipnuck is brought to you by Ogio, the golf bag leader of leaders. If you're a golfer on the go, the Mutant Travel Bag by Ogio is a smart, smart move to ensure your golf clubs make it to your next golfing destination unharmed. With an oversized padded top compartment, your golf clubs won't feel the bumps of travel, and the oversized wheels make getting around an airport as easy as TSA pre-check. The Mutant fits both tour bags and stand bags without any issue, and two oversized pockets give you plenty of space for shoes. Check out the Mutant and the entire Ogio selection at ogio.com. And just a reminder, PGA Tour Live this week I will be hosting PGA Tour Live. You'll get to watch Dustin Johnson's first round back at the Wells Fargo Championship. If you're not a subscriber, it's only $40 for the entire year. You get over 380 hours of coverage. It really is a layup. If you're a golf fan, you got to do it. Check out PGA Tour Live. You'll get to hear my voice again after listening to this podcast for Thursday and Friday. We have Phil Mickelson. We have Dustin Johnson, a lot of other big names for the week. So we're excited about the Wells Fargo Championship. Hope you're excited as well. A fun conversation with Alan Shipnuck and based it mostly around the best player without a major championship. Of course, Sergio Garcia ticked one off at the Masters. He's gone. We lost Dustin Johnson last year. We lost Jason Day the year before. Henrik Stinson's out. And I just figured it was a good time to have this conversation because we're nearing the Players' Championship. Of course, Ricky Fowler did win there a couple of years ago, and that was a big moment in his career, but he's still looking for that major championship. And I figured he's near the top of most lists, but is he the top of everybody's list? And is there players that make more sense? Is there a Lee Westwood or a Paul Casey? Uh, do you still think Colin Montgomery is the best player to ever play the game without a major championship? So a fun conversation, of course, with Sports Illustrated's Alan Shipnuck. Just a reminder, if you could, sign up for our Clubhouse newsletter. Go to the Twitter page at the Clubhouse Pod at the Clubhouse Pod. Follow that newsletter. We send out news on Mondays and Wednesdays. It gives you odds for the week, uh, TV times. It gives you links to stories, videos you can't miss. Really, it's just trying to make your golf viewing easier. We're really trying to add in every little thing, even as a countdown for the major championships for the rest of the year as we near Aaron Hills. I know we at Fox are really fired up about that. So make sure you subscribe to that newsletter. Follow us on all the social platforms. And hey, if you're really feeling frisky, just leave us a review of the pod. We will give you a virtual high five, and you might even get a clubhouse koozie. Who knows? But that's enough of that. Time to get to our guest. An exciting, fun, and really lengthy conversation about the major championship battle for the players that don't have one. And we now welcome back to the clubhouse a man that I always love talking a little bit of golf with, Alan Shipnuck. And Alan, for the first time I can say this, you're with The Knockdown. So, of course, that's partnership with sportsillustratedgolf.com but what exactly is the knockdown what do people need to know about this well it's my own little corner of the internet where i can do whatever i want scary uh, as long as it's yeah as long as it's family friendly of <laughs> course uh, you know basically the last 23 years or so i've just been focused on magazine writing which is great fun and i've enjoyed it but um that's not the future of our industry as we're all aware so I've kind of gone all in on on digital content, podcasts like yours, um, although except my voice is a little more California mellow, not that perky desert sound that you have, and um, write, writing, trying to write magazine quality features that just live only on the internet and news coverage, video features, quirky little things, whatever comes up. It's 
it's been a fun challenge. Um, you know, it's literally a bottomless pit. I could write all day, every day, and never run out of space, which is fun, but also daunting. So uh, trying to figure out the best mix of, of stories and features and, and other kind of things, and that, that education continues. But really, it's just uh, it's all golf all the time, and it's kind of one-stop shopping um, for everything that I'm doing across every possible medium and platform. So it, it's good fun if... if uh, I think there's a little something for everybody if they stop by. Well, something that you guys touched on and, and really most of the golf world touched on, and I wanted to get into this. We're going to talk best player that have never won a major uh, for most of this podcast, but I wanted to dive quickly in to the Zurich Classic over the weekend. Of course, a lot of fun, team event. Everybody knows what happened. Uh, Jason Sobel of ESPN.com wrote a piece basically saying, and I, and I really enjoyed the piece. I thought it was smart, basically saying that, you know, this was great. Team events are, this team event was great, but we don't need more of these. And I was wondering, is that a camp that you're in as well, that this is a one-off type of thing and we don't need to follow this trend. We need to allow golf to be golf. And once a year, this is a fun little thing to have. I I think there might be room for another one. You know, I think, I think it was refreshing. I I was in new Orleans, the, the energy from, from the players and the fans and everyone on site was great. I mean, there's really a sense of kind of gee whiz, this is fun and different. And, whether it was the, the 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 team uniforms that guys trotted out, or the the strategy they had to employ on who's going to hit, you know, tee off on the odd holes, and who's going to take the evens, and all the little nuances that went into it, it, it was great fun, and I, I think it made for really interesting viewing, and it certainly took a a pretty mediocre tournament, which not a great date on the schedule on a very forgettable golf course, and it had a an awesome field. I mean, best in tournament history, really. If you know Dustin Johnson had been healthy and ready to go, they would have had seven of the top ten in the world. I mean, that that's a massive upgrade from what we've seen from from previous events in New Orleans. So, I mean, I think it was a home run in every way. I think there's an appetite and an interest in in a mixed team event with with PGA Tour and LPGA players, and I think that would be really cool. And I think it would help both tours, and I think uh, it would hashtag grow the game. I mean, anytime you can bring new fans to um, you get to watch LPJ players for the first time. Uh, that's a good thing because I know we're, you and I are both fans of that tour. So, um, but obviously, kind of what gave this this event so much energy was that it, it was special and different. And you know, if if you all of a sudden have you know four or five events like this on the schedule, then then they they kind of lose that punch a little bit. So I, I agree with Sobel. We don't we don't want to overdo it, but I would love to see a mixed team event. And if someone else could come up with a really sporty idea, you know, I, I think we could entertain it. I mean, let's be honest, there's there's maybe 15 must-watch golf tournaments on the schedule. There's another couple dozen that hard to get excited about. So anything we can do to, you know, these dead patches in the schedule that we can make them a little jazzier, you know, I certainly support. Yeah, I mean, we saw, you know, a, an off-season event, I mean, down in Florida with, uh, you know, the, the Sharks shootout. I mean, we broadcast it, Lexi Thompson and Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, that was the biggest crowds by far. And I mean, that was a mixed team and it was just a little sample of what could happen. So I definitely think that would be a smart move for both tours. It'd be something very cool for the PGA Tour to get involved with. And I'd love to see him do it. But like I said, we're here to talk about one thing past how the Zurich went. And this really revolves around something that I think we were talking about following the Masters last month. And of course, that is what, who is the best golfer out there that has not won a major championship? And I, I have some lists of some names, but I wanted to get your thoughts first. 
there really is a debate here on where does this stand? Because it's either a past player, somebody like Colin Montgomery, or even somebody that's, you know, in his later years, still capable of winning a major, of course, a la Darren Clark, but, you know, Lee Westwood types of players. Or is this list really, you know, full of names like the Ricky Fowlers and Justin Thomas and Hideki Matsuyama? And I want to go through some names, but I just wanted to say initially, your thoughts when you think about it from a perspective of a Colin Montgomery who had 31 European Tour wins and, you know, Hall of Famer, all that stuff? Or is this more of a category for current players that have a chance to actually win one? Oh, yeah, it's got to be current contemporary players. I mean, I, I think Monty was the best player without a major for a period there in the in the 90s, but that ship has sailed. And, and you know, I put in my Masters game story that it was, you know, that Rick, Ricky Fowler had now taken the mantle, and that, that helped kick off some of this discussion, at least, you know, on my Twitter feed. And, you know, some people feel like it should be Lee Westwood, who, of course, has a greater body of work than Fowler. You know, he's he's what 18 years older or whatever he is and he's played a bunch more majors and he's had more close calls but to me that the key to this whole debate is it has to be a player who's ascendant who is is playing great golf and is a threat and you know every time Lee Westwood gets near the lead he blows up i mean you saw it you saw it in Mexico City this year at the WGC, there's been a million other examples. Even even last year's Masters, you know, he makes that. This is one of the worst chippers and pitchers in, in professional golf, and he holds out on miracle shot on 15 to get near the lead, and you know, for eagle, steps up to the 16th hole, bad swing, bad putt, bad putt, makes bogey, immediately shoots himself out of it. I mean, that was like kind of his whole career and microcosm. I just don't think Lee Westwood can win a major championship. Now, obviously, his buddy Darren Clark fell off the couch and did it, so, <laughs> um, you know, who knows, but Clark didn't really have the scar tissue that, that Westwood has had. In, in some ways, you know, he was as much of a blue-chip player, but he just hadn't had his heart broken, and he didn't have the frayed nerve endings like Westwood does, so that, that's why I have just, just sort of taken him out of the debate. I mean, if you're looking at, at a body of work, his is, is superior to Fowler, but you know, Fowler is has been knocking on the door. You know, we, we know he finished top five in all four majors in one season. He was right there at this year's Masters. You know, he's coming off a Players Championship victory. Uh, he's just—it's the, clearly the the obvious next step for him. I mean, Matsuyama has 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 played a lot of good golf, but he hasn't really been there in many majors. I mean, that that to me is another key criteria. You have to throw yourself into the mix at a handful of majors. You have to have some close calls. And that kind of stamps you as ready to to assume this this dread title. So, right, right. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. The, the reason the debate, I think the reason the debate's kind of drummed up is it's not just the Sergio win. I mean, we've seen Jason Day take down a major a year and a half ago. We saw Dustin Johnson, of course, win. Even Henrik Stinson, a guy who has, you know, had had an incredible body of work, really. And we've kind of waited for him to break through, you know, breaks through at Troon. Seven of the eight top players in the world all have major wins. I think that's maybe a bit surprising when you look at it. I mean, we lived through a time where, you know, Luke Donald and and those types were kind of batting around that number one, you know, position after Tiger and really before this new generation of the Rorys and, and Speets and such. And I also think it's an interesting thing to bring up because we have seen the young players not scare away. I mean, namely Jordan Speeth, but, you know, Rory's done incredible work in the majors and already won basically all the ones he wants besides the one at Augusta National. I think it is interesting, you know, what you said was, you know, Lee Westwood is the guy 
that almost follows in what Darren Clark did. Now he he has been close a lot closer at times, three seconds in majors, five third-place finishes. Of course, 23 European Tour wins. He's 44 years old. Only won twice on the PGA Tour, which is a little bit surprising. But, you know, when you look at somebody like Lee Westwood, do you still see him as a player? I mean, you said you don't think he's going to win one. Do you still see him as a player that has the capability of falling into one? I mean, much like we saw maybe Danny Willett do last year with the struggles of Spieth or even Darren Clark, who, you know, ran into a Dustin Johnson who hit some Aaron shots on that second nine. Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to win a major. I always think of the David Duvall model. You know, when he won the British Open, people forget he. I think he made the cut on the number, or maybe by one stroke. I mean, he really wasn't in the tournament after two rounds. He went out Saturday, no pressure, early tee time, no wind, went really low, put himself at the top of the leaderboard, and he just kind of hung on on Sunday. He didn't do anything great. Made a bunch of pars. Nobody made a run, and all of a sudden he won an open. He made it look easy. Um, I mean, you just Obviously, what how how Spieth handed that one to Danny Willett, not take away you know Willett's fine play. I mean, you just never know. But Westwood is so wounded. The closer he gets to the hole, I mean, his long game is still really solid. But uh, you know, he, he he's not the power player he used to be. Um, so he just has some deficiencies in his game. You know, you, you just you, you can't count him out because he's a wily vet. And if if he got into an extreme setup where it was just all fairways and greens, and, and he managed to do it, and he got a good draw. I mean, you can go through all the different scenarios where he could possibly pick one off, but do I think he's going to do it? I really don't. So I just kind of crossed him off my list. It, you know, I, I think Doug Ferguson anointed him as, you know, Westy is, is the best player without a major, and that's fine. This is not science. It's it's opinion. So um, we, we can we can debate this, but... He doesn't get my vote, put it right. that way. Yeah, well, you know, Harry Cooper, 31 PGA Tour wins, never won a major. I was looking at the list of players with the most PGA Tour wins without a major. Kenny Perry, 14 PGA Tour wins. I actually watched that 2009 Masters a couple of nights ago preparing for this, and you said it about Westwood. I mean, you the moment you get there, the moment you get ahead of the, the, the rest of the pack running for the, for the finish line, you know, there's a stumble. And, I mean, Kenny was a great example of that, bogey 17 from a perfect position, bogey's 18 from a great position, and ends up losing that Masters, of course, to Angel Cabrera. And I do wonder, is it just, are there players that are wired for these events and these weeks? Are there players that aren't? And when you look at the names that we're going to start bringing up now, you already mentioned Ricky. You've already mentioned Heki Matsuyama. I think Justin Thomas is another player on that list. And really, when you look at PGA Tour wins, I think Patrick Reed is a guy that's played himself on that list as well. Of course, not having a great season this year. Justin Thomas, Patrick Reed, no top tens in majors. I mean, you said it. You have to at least play well on these things to at least be even close to the top of this list. And I think what we've seen Ricky do, even if it was one season in 2014, kind of the outlier season of the majors, I feel like he has played himself near the top of this list and maybe battling with Matsuyama considering the way Hideki's played at the Masters the last three seasons. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wouldn't even put Justin Thomas or... or um or some of these other guys even on the list. I mean, Patrick Reed, he's not even in the conversation. It, you, you, have, you, have to, you have to throw yourself into the fire a half dozen times, I think, to, to really be taken seriously. And, I mean, what, what Reed did at the Ryder Cup is special, but that's a different kind of golf. And, you know, Justin Thomas is clearly um, an ascendant talent. It's been fun to see what, what he's, he's done in the last, you know, eight months or whatever this run is. But... 
it's it, he needs to do it now for two or three more years, and then we'll start we'll start throwing throwing his name into into the mix. But, you know, like Patrick Reed, he he's a great match play player because he's a terrific putter and he's such a bulldog. But he's really short off the tee and he's somewhat crooked. And you know, the thing about the majors, there is there is the the weight of history and there's the bigger crowds and the media crush and there's all these things that 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 weigh on a player's mind, but they're also the toughest tests. They're the most thorough examinations because of the setups. And if you have a flaw in your game, it will be exposed. And, you know, like Lee Westwood not being able to putt on fast greens, that's been exposed at the majors. Uh, Patrick Reed not being able to, you know, drive the ball long and straight enough, that's that's been exposed at a place like Augusta National where, where driving is paramount. And um, So there's a reason these guys can win – certain tour venues because they find they find a course that sets up for them and they can play around their weaknesses but you just get exposed at the majors that's why the best players win them i mean it's not it's not an accident there's certainly that that element of being able to handle the pressure and and we all know there's more of it at these events but a lot of it just comes down to x's and o's and the inability to, to execute on 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 these much more challenging exacting setups yeah, and, and with Ricky, so here here is my one question on Ricky Fowler. Four PGA Tour wins, the same amount as Hideki Matsuyama. Now, the one thing that we always turn to is 14, and he finished in the top five in all of the majors, finished tied for second twice, was playing incredible golf. That was right after he went to Butch. It was this different player. It was a different guy we saw, really had a, had almost the best chance of any of those majors at that PGA Championship back in 14 that Rory went on to win. And my question to that is, when you look at Matsuyama, who's played well at the Masters for three straight years, you know, he didn't play great in the opening round this year, but bounced back, finished tied for 11th. Are you more impressed with a guy that plays well at some at some place like that, like Augusta National, for three years in a row? Are you more impressed with a guy that did it for a full season, but hasn't finished in the top 10 in a major since? Yeah, well, you know, to me... Ricky's Masters, even though he didn't finish it off the way he wanted to, that that was a step forward for him. I mean, what he finished eleventh, so he was he was on the he's on the cusp right. of, of another one, and he just kind of let it get away. But to me, that almost strengthens his case; it doesn't hurt it. Um, you know, Matsuyama plays Augusta National really well, and it's in championship golf. There's probably no no everyone talks about the greens, but driving the ball long and straight is so important there, and you know, that's that's the strength of his game now. You know the fact that that you know Fowler's he's had a couple great runs the British Open. He remember he finished fifth in 2011, and um, you know even in 2010 at the Old Course his first Open, you know he I think he finished 13th or 14th. He had a, he had a really strong you know debut, and to do it at all the different majors and all the different setups at a variety of courses to me is way more impressive than having three good finishes at the same place. So that would that would be the tiebreaker for me. Um, but listen, I, I'm not the world's biggest Fowler fan. I mean, I feel like he's, <laughs> you know, he's definitely needs to start winning more golf tournaments. He needs to, he needs to go to a different plateau to justify, um, you know, the hype that surrounded him now, going back to, you know, 2008. But uh, I think it just speaks to this this moment where, as you said, all these guys who are queued up trying to win their first major, they've all busted down the door. Whether it's it's Dustin or it's Stenson or it's Jason Day. Or, you know, there was there was a there was a, a lively debate two or three years ago who's the best player without a major. You had a, you had the number of candidates, and a lot of them have, have finally come through. So um, this may be the weakest crop ever of majorless 
guys, you know, if, if we're splitting hairs between Hideki Matsuyama and, you know, Lee Westwood, it, it tells you that the guys who are supposed to win majors have done so in recent years. And so now we're kind of left with this, this motley crew of, of wannabes. But uh, you know, certainly there's a lot of talent and there's a lot of youth. I mean, if you're talking about Ricky or Matsuyama, I mean, they're both in their 20s and they have a lot of time to figure it out. So uh, it's it's just an interesting debate because there's kind of these ebbs and flows in, in who's who's winning these events. And um, and as it's we're just at this moment now where it's, there's not a clear-cut guy and there's no player who's an overwhelming... I mean, you, you, look, at, you look at any of these guys on the list, it's hard to say, oh, well, he's definitely going to win one. I mean, we right. knew Dustin Johnson had to win one. He just had too much game not to. Stenson was too good. I mean, Jordan Spieth, he was going to win one. Like, there, was, there was a whole bunch of guys who you just felt like it was inevitable, but... I don't, I don't, I don't feel that same inevitability with some of these other characters. Yeah, I mean that—that's the thing I kept saying after Sergio won was, I mean, Sergio was the can't miss guy. I mean, he was the can't miss teenager, and we all said it. You know, he's going to win a major. He's going to win a major. He's going to win a bunch of majors. I mean, I think we all believed, you know, after '99 that Sergio would definitely do it, and it took him getting in a playoff after some some obviously shaky putts and having the guy he's playing against you know, hit an errant tee shot and not really get all of his second to get it back and play where he wanted it. But again, he won the Masters. So I always I always talk about this with the majors and the guys that haven't won one yet and simply say, you know, we can't give them one yet until they win it because I think if I asked you, and I am going to ask you, if you had to take Ricky Fowler right now at 28 years old or John Rahm right now who's been on the PGA Tour for less than a year to win a major first, I would almost bet you'd probably take John Rahm. I mean, yeah, just he's so, he's he's has so much game. I mean, I've been a fan of this guy for a long time, and just so much firepower, no fear, and just incredible short game. So, yeah, that that's a really good question. I mean, that that's a that's a vintage toss up. And the funny thing about Sergio is, it, it was easy to kind of dismiss him the last few years. He wasn't winning very many tournaments, but I mean, he had three straight top sixes at the British Open in the last three. He was fifth at last year's U.S. Open. He was, it was like the one place he, he would he would pop up was was the major championships. And but he was he was close to playing himself out of that that title as well because he just wasn't winning enough tournaments. And you know it, it's it's a it's a very ephemeral thing. I mean, as I said in the beginning, you you have to be a guy who hasn't peaked because once you've peaked and you're on the downside of your career, it's hard to take any of them seriously. And you know, Sergio was very close to that moment. I mean, he, he won this thing at the at the right time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, John, John Rump, we're not ready to anoint him yet, but... He, <laughs> but he's uh, close. I mean, if, if, if that's... If you and I both think, you know, deep down in our hearts, if you and I are both thinking, we believe Rom will win one before Ricky or before Matsuyama, how is he not the best player out there to not win one? Which is crazy because he's only been on tour for, what, 10 months? I mean... This is yeah. this is kind of how the conversation goes. You talked about the ebbs and flows of it. I mean, when you look at the talent and how young these players are and how they, good they are when they come up, and of course, you know, there's only a few that really make this sense, make the most sense when we're talking about them like this, but Rom seems like that type of player where, you know, for the next three majors, you're going to have them on your list of eight, nine, ten guys that you think have the best chance of winning that major, and I'm not sure that Ricky and Hideki will make all those lists. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you're almost, he's, Rom is helped by having a small sample size. You know, he's got a low divisor in the, in the parlance of the world ranking. And so he's, he's kind of the golden boy right now. And 
Um, it's hard not to like him. But again, it, even look at the, the WGC in Mexico. I mean, he was playing spectacular golf, and then he just he just he tripped at the finish line there. I mean, the, the two worst holes he played all all week were the 70th and the 71st. I mean, that that took a little starch out of the the ROM candidacy. You know, it's um, even though we, we all like his game, I and mean, there's no question he's going to be a force. But so it's uh, it, it's tricky business. I mean, it, you know, it, it's such a cliche, but it is hard to win. It's especially hard to win the majors and. Um, I'm not quite ready to declare Rom as the guy yet, but I, I think your your thesis is somewhat sound. But then, like, who won the U.S. Junior this year? I mean, maybe maybe we anoint that kid um, <laughs> the next the next I, amateur champion. That's right. Yeah, maybe, maybe Curtis Locke. There's some there's some twelve year old who just won his third straight club championship somewhere. I mean, you, you can you can take it to its illogical right. extreme, but I do think uh, a prerequisite is you have to lose some majors to, to earn this 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 very. Um, good news bad news title and, and just rom hasn't done that yet yeah i mean this is this has been and i've said this a lot but this is going to be the generation of one-time major winners and i really believe it i mean you know you think of you know rory doing what he's done and i mean of course rory hasn't won a major since 2014 i mean that is we are nearing three years since his last major win day has won you know jimmy walker has won i mean you know you go back down the line duffner keegan i mean there's going to be a lot of these guys that have the one major and frankly you know, when you look at somebody like Sergio Garcia, who won the Masters, I feel like he's got more Duvall in him for the rest of his career than maybe he does Phil, where, you know, he could say, I won my major, my life is complete and content, and I like what I'm doing, and maybe he doesn't win another one. And I mean, I think that's what we saw with David Duvall. And on the flip side, you see somebody like Phil Mickelson, who takes so long in his career to finally get that major championship, and then wins four, you know, and I mean, or excuse me, wins five, and he's, you know, a U.S. Open away from you know, that career grand slam when it looked like he might not even win one major. Yeah. It's, it's so much, so much of it goes into what's, what's in these guys' hearts, right? Like just how much do they, do they want to keep pushing forward? I mean, you're right. This, this is either going to, this is either going to propel Sergio to a different level. And is you know, he's still got such a dynamic athletic swing. Obviously he made some bad putts coming down the stretch, but he's, uh, he's, he's good enough the rest of his game that, He's a threat anywhere, but um, is, he, is this going to be one extended victory lap, or, or is this going to push him over the top and he's going to be a force for the next five years? I mean, it's totally up to Sergio, right? And um, you know, Phil wanted he for all the jokes about um, you know how he's never in, in phys- good physical shape. I mean, he outlasted Tiger. Tiger used to love making fun of Phil's body, and and Phil's kind of gotten the last laugh. I mean, he's still a factor in his late forties. So, um, but I think. I think golf is going to be more like tennis where guys are going to turn pro early and they're going to peak in their twenties and they're going to burn out sooner. Um, you know, there's, it's kind of like there's, I think every golfer has a window, right? And, uh, you know, Arnold Palmer's is what six years from his first to his last major championship victory. Um, these guys are starting the clock sooner. I mean, Jordan Spieth at 21, um, the meter was running. So, is he going to still be winning majors into his late 30s? It, it's hard to imagine. I mean, the, the 24-7 scrutiny they, they play under, the um, the myriad demands that they take on with all their corporate alliances and all this other stuff, not not that I feel sorry for them, but they're, they're so comfortable financially. There's a high burnout factor from the, from the media scrutiny and the international travel and all the things that, that these guys take on. I just... 
I, I think you got to get them early, and you got to get a bunch of them. And uh, you, you're not going to see guys, you know, the Heiner extensions win their first major at 40, or the Sergios at, at 37. I, that's going to be a rarity. Um, I, I, you know, I think I think you're just going to see more more guys doing it, and um, and that window is going to start closing faster. Well, here and here's a question, uh, just in the in the general sense of it, do we put too much pressure on majors? Do we put too much in the idea of a guy winning a major championship, considering the field of the players, the WGCs we have now? I mean, they're competing against the same guys at those events. Is the is the pressure of winning a major or the idea of winning a major too grandiose now compared to what we have elsewhere on the tour? I mean, to some degree, they've always been a little overcooked, but. You know, I mean, if you look at Lee Westwood, a lot of his wins are these second-tier events in Asia and Europe, and the casual fan doesn't really know what it means to, to win in Mallorca or, um, <laughs> you know, win the Trophée Lancôme or um, the Andalusia Masters or some of these some of these events. You know, Sergio's won a bunch like that. I mean, there's the, the majors you can count on. They're, they are a tried-and-true measuring stick of greatness. And so... As the game becomes more global, and you know, you take a guy like Matsuyama or Tanahara, some of these guys who play, you know, Matsuyama's become more Americanized in his schedule. But you know, you get these guys who are top twenty in the world ranking that no one's ever seen them play in the U.S. for the most part in person, and the majors become an important, you know, source of validity. If you can do it at Augusta National, if you can do it at the U.S. Open, we all know what that means. If you if you can win the the money list in in Japan, we're still not really sure what that means. And so, in in some ways, the majors are more important than ever because they they just tell us what we really want to know. And yeah, are are they over are they overrated? Maybe a little bit, but I mean, look who look who made them overrated. It was Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods <laughs> and Tom Watson and Gary Player. They're the ones who lusted after them and they elevated this idea of, of the meaning of the majors and the media just kind of follow, followed along, but they mean, they mean so much to the players and therefore they mean a lot to the fans and the rest of us. So, um, they, they're just important because they have, a, they have a quality control. You don't get it across the broad world of golf. And so, uh, I, I think you can't, you can't underrate their value now for, for, um, you know, adding validity and, and, and real meaning to a career. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you two guys that have won majors, and they've won one each. That's Henrik Stenson and Adam Scott. Henrik Stenson now ranks sixth in the world. Adam Scott is 11th. And I'm going to give you two guys that haven't won majors yet, but they're both very young gentlemen. And I'm going to ask you who will end their career with more majors total. Now, again, the first two guys have already won one each. So you get Henrik and Adam Scott, and then you get John Rahm and Thomas Peters. Which of those groups win more? With of course Peters and Rom not winning one yet. I mean, I don't think Scott's ever going to win another one. I watched him at Augusta National, and it was such a stripe show. I mean, it, that that Saturday round he played with Justin Rose, he did not miss a shot, and you know what, got in at sixty nine when it should have been a sixty two. He's just so wounded on the greens and so mental. I th- I just I don't see it happening. You know, I'd like to believe Stenson has another one in him. You know, he's just so good. Um, and even after after the breakthrough at, at at the Open, you know, he threw himself right back into the fray at the PGA Championship and easily could have won that one. So, you know, let's say let's say so. Let, let's give Stenson two majors. 
I mean, that's the entire lifetime total of Greg Norman, um, Curtis Strange, Jose Maria Oathabel, Ben Crenshaw, uh, a bunch of Hall of Famers. So as much as I love Rom, I love Peters, are, are both those guys going to get to two? I mean, that that's a big ask. Right. So, uh, I don't know. You can't you can't underrate how important it is to even have one on the board. Right. Uh, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna I mean, is the question Scott plus Stenson versus the other two, or is just is yeah, who's Scott, gonna win yeah, the most yeah, out yeah, of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott Scott plus Stenson versus Rom plus Peters, and it sounds like you're going with the old guys, which brings me to my next question, and you set it up perfectly. Jason Day has one major championship. He has all the talent in the world. He's in incredible shape when he's not injured. He does everything right. He putted incredibly well a couple of years ago when he won the PGA Championship. Is Jason Day, of the quote-unquote big three with Jordan Spieth and Rory, is Jason Day the most likely of those three to not win another major the rest of his career? Oh, no, he's too good. I I mean, not only did he, did he put lights out when he won the PGA, last year on tour he had one of the greatest putting seasons in the history of golf. And this is a guy who can drive it, you know, 350 and straight. <laughs> so there's no way Jason Day's not going to win more majors. I just, for all the weirdness in his life and the, the illnesses and the, the freak accidents, he, he's going to go on another run. And if it happens to be in the summertime, he could pick off two in a hurry. I, I refuse to believe that Jason Day is going to get shut out for the rest of, it, of his career. He just he just has too much game, and you know he's already he's already had a chance to win two Masters, and that was before he'd really ripened as a player. And he battled down the last you know the seventy second hole twice already there. I mean that place is tailor made for him. Um, you know he's he's been a he's been a contender at the U.S. Open. Certainly any 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 PGA is going to set up for him because they usually reward power. So I, I'm definitely bullish on Day's chances going forward. Well, you, did, so you didn't even give us an answer. You said they know, but you didn't give us Rory or Spieth of those three. So who's going to win the most from this point forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Which, which of those three is, is most likely to not win another one? Yeah, well, I think they're all going to win another one. I mean, <laughs> it, it, the more interesting question is who's going to win the most from this point forward. I mean, again, Rory already has he already has a two-major lead on Spieth. And so, again, for Spieth has to have Greg Norman's career just to get to where Rory is now. So you have to say Rory's going to finish with the most overall, even though Spieth is four years younger. But from this point forward, I mean, it's really, it's really a fascinating question. Um, you know, Rory can overwhelm a, a golf course like no other, but his game doesn't travel as well. You know, super fast greens, he doesn't, he doesn't look comfortable. Um, you know, when it's windy, when it's when it's rainy, when it's cold, he just he just doesn't have that same comfort zone. It seems like, you know, Speed is a grinder with his putter. He's never out of any tournament, and when his putter gets hot, he can he can lap the field. And you know, Day's kind of a composite when he's playing well. He, he drives it like Rory and he puts like Speed, but he's always seems to be battling something. And um, you know, he's he's the oldest of the three. Not that he's that old, so. I mean, from this moment forward, it'd be hard not to take Spieth, given that um, his record at Augusta National and elsewhere. But uh, is you know, Rory could easily get to seven, and that's Arnold Palmer territory. Right. Yeah, I mean uh, that, that that's and that's I think that's the thing that people you you made a great point earlier when you said you know the two major total matches, some of these legends of the game, and I mean what Rory's done already in his career, I almost feel like 
is something we don't talk about enough because it's been so incredible with him. You know, one major way from the career Grand Slam. I will ask you one final major championship question, and it lands on one of your favorite guys on the PGA Tour, over under on .5 majors from this point forward for Mr. Phil Mickelson. <laughs> well, I mean, the guy hasn't won in going on four calendar years, right? I right. Mean, it, it was the Open in 2013. He, he, he's been snake bit. I mean, the year that, that Spieth won, you know, blew away the field at Augusta, Phil's score, I think, would have won every Masters but five in history. And you look at what he did last year at the Open Championship, and just wasn't, he just couldn't keep up with Heinrich. But that was a historic performance. So it's he's he's still he's still getting it done, but there's just that little missing something. And you know, Arnold Palmer has the best quote ever about this. I don't have it in front of me, but you know, he's asked when, and it was in the context of Tiger, and of course, he's proven to be right. Whatever that special little thing that helps you win. Whenever when it's gone, you're trying so hard to find it again, but you don't even know what you're looking for. You know, I'm paraphrasing Arnie, but right. um, and Phil's in that territory now where his game is solid. He's 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 playing well when at, at big events, but there's there's just that little that little edge has been lost. So if I had to if I had to to take one the over under, I'm going the under. I'm just I just. I haven't seen enough to think that he he can do it for four rounds. Whether it's age, or it's arthritis, it's pressure, it's it's the nerve endings are shot, it's swing confusion. I, I don't know what it is, but he's just not he's not doing it for seventy two holes. He, maybe for sixty three, but even even in the, in that shootout with Stenson, you know, the last four or five holes, Phil made some some critical mistakes, right. and um, you can't fault the guy for for posting the you know going out on on Sunday and shooting, what, 65, but um, he didn't quite finish off that round, and that, that seems to be a theme for him. So, of course, I'd love to see him do it. It'd be spectacular if he did it, you know, say Pebble Beach in 2019 and wins the U.S. <laughs> Open. I mean, that would right off into the sunset. I mean, that would, yeah. how good would that be? Throw the, throw the, you throw the clubs in the ocean if you do that. I mean, I was looking at the U.S. Open venues. Um, he does have a favorable lineup, I'll say that, after Aaron Hill's he gets Shinnecock, he gets Pebble, he gets Wingfoot, he gets Torrey Pines. I mean, of course, he'll be you know nearing 50 and into 50 when you look at those. But those are golf courses he's had some success on. So it sounds like you are leaning on, as you wrote in your article for SI.com, your answer to this question. The best player without a major as of right now is Ricky Fowler. I'm giving Ricky Fowler a half-hearted endorsement, yeah. <laughs> well, I think I'm with you after looking <laughs> at it. And, and like you said, the problem is... The lineup's not great. We've had so many of these guys tick some off. I mean, you've got Lee Westwood, you know, hanging there, and we've said it. I mean, a great player throughout his career. I looked at Paul Casey's, you know, resume, but the majors are just abysmal, really, for Paul Casey, you know, despite being a great player and having some success at some of the Opens over the years. But when you look at what Ricky did in 14 and really his wins, the win at the players, what he did at the players, and like you said, at least got himself in the conversation at the Masters despite kind of a struggle on Sunday – it does seem like he's trending towards, you know, becoming that new Jason Day who, you know, just hits a great one week and beats everybody in the field. Yeah, he, he's certainly capable. I mean, there's, there's there's no hole in Ricky's game. I mean, he's he's solid from tee to green, and so, um, I, it, it's interesting because I I played the Bam at, at at Zurich, and so I that that granted me entree into into all these extra functions that 
normally reporters don't get to see and certainly the general public doesn't. And Ricky being a Zurich ambassador was everywhere that week. And he is, I don't think people recognize how popular he is unless you're at a, an event. People, he, he is the Pied Piper, whether it's, you know, a formal dinner and it's a, bun, it's a bunch of well-heeled old guys and, and their, their wives or it's teenagers or it's, 25-year-old sorority girl wannabes or whatever it may be, every demographic just flocks to Ricky. And it would it would be massive for, for the game if, if he can break through. Um, and they would really, all the questions would end. Is he overrated? Does he deserve the attention? I mean, it would, it would, it would put him in, in a totally different category and different class. So, you know, I don't root for players. I root for stories. I, Ricky winning the U.S. Open, is, other than Phil, is probably the best-case scenario. So, um, I'd like to see him do it. I think he will do it eventually. But uh, at the same time, if, if he's tortured for the next few years and, and lets a few get away, and uh, that's almost part of the fun, right? When when you have this player who it was Phil, it was it was Sergio. Um, everyone knows they should win one. They know they should win one, but they can't quite do it. It becomes it becomes a thing, and it 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 really takes on its own energy and. Well, on some level, it's sad for the player, but it's compelling theater for all of us. So if it takes Ricky a few more years, so be it. We'll, uh, we'll enjoy following that story as well. Alan, I appreciate you joining me and doing this. Tell people where they can find your stuff, what you've got coming up over the next, uh, I don't know, week or so as we grind through the players and all this stuff and get closer and closer to Aaron Hills. Yeah, well, if, if you go to uh, you can go to golf dot com slash the knockdown with a hyphen after the the, uh, and there's there's even a portal on the the golf dot com homepage, and you can certainly my Twitter feed will, will I, everything I do I link back to to the knockdown, so um, it's pretty easy to find if you're looking for it. I've got a bunch of good podcasts lined up for Players Week. You, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm now going to tournaments just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when I, I can do podcasts, features, videos, and then hit the road. Because one, once a tournament starts, as you know, it's hard to get access and it's hard to get guys to say yes. So uh, it's been interesting how my weeks have flipped. You know, I, I used to go to the events and and cover the news and write game stories, but nobody seems to care about that anymore. So um, I'm, I'm much more focused on getting access and getting time and being able to tell stories in a different way. So I'm going to be I'm going to play at the players doing a bunch of things, but once they start playing real golf, I'm hitting the road and on to the next. So um, you're like a tour truck. You should drive a tour truck. You should see if somebody will let you do yeah. that. Make a little extra money on the side. Yeah, I'll be like Steve Holker, like with a, with a van full of bags driving from A to B. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a fun challenge. You know, this whole year has been a different kind of, of season for me. I've been to way more events. But um, as I said, it's, it's been a different rhythm. So I'm enjoying the challenge and um, trying not to burn myself out before we even get to the U.S. Open. <laughs> yeah, one major down and, and going to be a player's down. You've got, you got a long year left. At least there's no Olympics. At least, you don't have to go, at least you don't have to take another international flight. Alan, I appreciate it. We will catch up down the line maybe sometime after the British Open. All right, Shane. Thanks for having me. Many thanks to Alan Shipnuck for jumping on with us to just chat about major championships and players that are still looking for their first one. A reminder to check out Ogio.com if you're in need of a new golf bag. Ogio makes the best bags in the business, including the Ozone Stand Bag. The shock suspension straps make carrying more comfortable. And the 9.5-inch wood top with full-length dividers allow you to keep your clubs 
in the right spot and stay organized while trying to fire that career round. Ogio's Ozone Bag has all the pockets, insulated water bottle holder, and much, much more to make playing golf easier. Before you even hit your first tee shot, visit Ogio.com for the entire golf bag line. Subscribe to PGA Tour Live before Thursday. I'm not going to tell you again. You'll get to hear me, Paul Stankowski, John McGinnis. It's going to be a fun week at the Wells Fargo Championship with some big names, including Dustin Johnson's full round back after, of course, that injury that kept him out of the Masters. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays back healthy and hopefully back in form as we saw him win three tournaments in a row and get to number one in the world. Sign up for PGA Tour Live. Sign up for that Clubhouse newsletter. And we'll be back next week. The Players' Championship is next week. We've got a fun guest early in the week. Hopefully have a couple of podcasts for you next week and more and more as we near Aaron Hills. Get a round in. It's getting hot in a lot of places, including Phoenix, Arizona. Make sure you get that round in. Make some birdies, and we will check back with you next week.